Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of this Muslim Girl podcast. Today I am joined with Iman Mahoui, who is the co-author of the book Muslims of the World. She's co-authored this book with Sajad Shah. He is the founder and creator of the social media platform on Instagram, Muslims of the World One. It is a very large and continuously growing platform and shares the stories and experiences of many different Muslims from all over the world. I sit with Iman and we just talk a lot about life, I guess, um, just being a college student. She's soon to be graduate uh, and someone who I think like all of us struggles with where we feel like our place is in the world and what value we add to the world. So we talk a lot about that and then her involvement, how she got involved with the book and the purpose of the book and the platform and moving forward the opportunities. I hope you enjoy this episode as always. Thank you for listening in. I'm back. Okay. It's okay. <sighs> I wish people could know what's going on right now. Like, like can we tell everyone that I'm sitting in my car? Let's so we had, so uh, Iman and I were in conversation and she got kicked out of the library. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's in her car. But you know what? The uh, audio, like the sound is really good in cars. So I, maybe this will be better. I want to go back, to, obviously, to everything we were talking about. But this has actually never happened where I've had a guest on for a specific purpose and we haven't even talked about what that purpose is. That's so true. That's so but true. But I love it. Yes. Honestly, I love it. But Muslims of the world, it's, I started off, I think first is a, it's like a social network media platform, platform. right? So yeah, yeah. So it, it, you know, on Instagram, mashallah has a lot of followers. Sajad is the one who started it. Were you a part of it when it started? And then if you could tell us about the book, just tell us a little bit about you and how it all started. Yeah, I think like, subhanallah we have like a couple of different versions of how it all went down just depending on like the audience which I know that sounds really bad but I think that that's how any organization kind of starts when they talk about their narrative yeah but I think like the most true narrative that I can give I would give on this podcast and the way I guess I would say it started is me and Sajad have known each other for five years now so mm-hmm. we um, go to the same Muslim community we met through a like youth group at our masjid And I was like much younger. So I was like about to graduate high school. So Jod was about to graduate college and we were working and um, we were friends. And he mentioned that he had he wanted to start a Muslims of the World page. Mm -hmm. And it was very much like a spinoff of Humans of New York. And I think that was the time when like Humans of New York was really, really going like getting really, really popular. And then the book had come out. And so a lot of people loved the Humans of New York stories. And I think Muslims especially loved the Humans of New York stories. And you would see like the excitement when there would be a Muslim Muslim that was like on the page. Mm -hmm. And so he saw that and we would, and all of us resonated with the stories in Humans of New York because they were so raw and they were so vulnerable. 
And these were people, and as Muslims, we're so used to reading stories of non-Muslims and being inspired and being motivated and being like, and feeling empathy and feeling that connection because we live in a non-Muslim like country. Mm -hmm. And so if we just, if we just looked to Muslims as like role models and mentors and like storytellers, we would not have the same experience. And so for the most part, we do a really, really good job of just like, not we do a good job, but we've just had to remove religion in a way. And so so we don't really look at other people through a religious lens. I want to say like, I don't see someone and I say like, oh, this person is Muslim. And then like, react accordingly or like have certain expectations in the in the way that I think that non-Muslims do when a Muslim speaks right Right, right. so like if you see a Muslim walk into a room or a Muslim there's a Muslim speaker or a Muslim lecturer or a Muslim professor that title title. so like exactly everything you're doing is like you're Muslim and I feel like we didn't do that with the humans of New York stories they were just like these are stories we're not like oh guys check out this non-Muslim story of this non-Muslim guy and so I think, and, and so, yeah, so from there, Sajad was like, I want to share stories. He was like, I want to make an account. And it did not start with like very much ambition. It genuinely was just like, he was getting really, really excited about being part of the Muslim community. And I had always been, I had gone to like an entirely Islamic school through our Muslim community and he had gone to a public school. So like, it was very exciting for him. He was finding his faith. He was finding, he was like having his own, um, conversation with his identity. And so for him, this was like an incredible, like way using social media to sort of bring a lot of his friends together and share his friends' stories. And he's like, look, these are these amazing people that I know that I come to know through this community that I've like chosen consciously to join, which I also think is like something that's really important to know is like for Sajad, everything that he's done and all of the contributions he's made to our community have been by his choice. Whereas for me, I kind of like grew up in the community. I went to an Islamic school, my friends and my family, that was all I knew. And so it was really wonderful to like see my community through his eyes and see the love and the excitement he had for this community that I'd taken for granted. Mm And so he starts this Instagram account. And then I remember I was in Algeria visiting my family. He was like, man, check it out. Like my photos, like read the stories, tell me what you think. And he was super, super excited about it. So, but in terms of like my involvement, I wasn't necessarily involved with the account. Like I was just an admiring fan, uh, like a friend and a supporter of the account. And so then flash forward, I'm going through college and these are like very formative years for me. And I'm dealing a lot with my own like identity crisis. And so, like I said, I... I went to an Islamic school. So then I went to like an all, like I went to a big 10 university. It's like very big. It's like 60,000 people at my school. And I graduated from like a class of four. And so it was very different for me to set Yeah. Class of four. I was one of four like people, three girls and a guy, the poor guy, honestly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like, I don't know how he survived us, but, um, it was like for so long, I had been very much like comfortable with my faith, comfortable being Muslim, comfortable with my hijab. And I didn't. And like going into college, I was like, I was very cognizant of the fact that I was Muslim because I wore hijab, but I don't think I really engaged in a lot of conversations about my faith. And I also didn't. Um, and I also tried really hard to be like part of the MSA and do, and that didn't really work out for me. And I think that that's also something that's really interesting given like my story is that when I like, when people come up to me and they're like, Oh, you wrote this Muslim world book. Like you must be super, super involved with Muslims on your campus. And unfortunately, and this is like one of my really like big regrets is that towards the end of it, I wasn't 
and my intentions even for joining at the beginning and being super involved with our MSA at the beginning of like my undergrad wasn't the right intention. And I think what it was, it was just that I was like, I told myself, I was like, Hey, so I'm at this university and like, I don't want to party and I don't want to drink and I don't want to do all these things. So I'm just going to like join this MSA and I'm going to surround my, like Allah Pantara said that you are, you know, you are who your friends are. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to surround myself by these Muslims that everything's going to be good to go. I'm in the clear. And it didn't really work out like that, unfortunately. Um, because I think also being Muslim by name and then being Muslim in practice is very different. So you might not drink and you might not party, but the people that you're surrounding yourself with, um, like saying all my friends are Muslim is, is, doesn't necessarily like work all the time because sometimes the people that have taught me to be the most giving and taught me to like be the most kind and compassionate and considerate were Mm non-Muslim. So I separated myself a little bit from that, um, group and decided that I was just going to try and like live as best as I could as a Muslim woman and be like of service in a different way and have like a much more like healthy relationship with my faith and with Muslimin than what I had. And around that time, as I was sort of like grappling with my faith and being like, okay, well, Muslims, like the Muslims that I'm like experiencing and the Muslim like community that I'm experiencing, I'm not really happy with, I'm not that comfortable with. So like, what am I doing? Right. And a lot of it was a lot of it had to do with like my environment and me sort of externalizing my faith. And I think that that's what I was doing for a long time mm-hmm. as Muslim women. If we wear hijab, that's like an externalization of our faith. And in a way I was like, okay, well I have my hijab. So like, that's good enough. Like I am clearly Muslim. And so like my, my faith is my hijab or like my faith is the fact that I have like Muslim friends. And so all of these externalizations that when like they were gone, I was like, okay, well I'm left with myself. And like, where's my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And where's my like internalization of my faith? And around that time, I had come back from being in Europe, and it was just like an interesting experience. And I was just like, okay, I'm starting my third year of undergrad. What am I doing? And subhanAllah, and like honestly, like I'm such a firm believer in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala crossed paths for a reason. Like it's so crazy. Like I think it's one of like the blessings and the mercies that I've like had is that like a lot of the time, someone said this to me. They said, like, today is an answer to yesterday's prayers. Mm-hmm. And like I never thought. It sounds like it would be very simple, but like if you wake up every morning and you and you and you have that like in your mind, everything that you experience, everything that you feel, everything that you see, you see in a new light. Mm-hmm. You look for the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you blessings and mercy and has looked and responded to your du'as instead of like expecting this big huge thing to happen that it's like, oh, it's right in your face. This is how Allah well, subhanahu wa ta'ala has answered kind my du'a. That's part, isn't it? Like it's yeah. our part and part of yeah. our iman is to kind of choose or to practice looking at yeah. a different, like a new day that way where we do have to kind of search for it because it's there. But sometimes being, over, you know, overly negative or surrounding yourself with negative people, you can block off the things that God has, you know, sent your way mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. as a blessing or as an answer to a prayer because you've chosen to stay, you know, very negative or you've just chosen to not, you know, look for it. Yeah. And I, I think... I think that like, it sounds like it, I think that it's a very hard understanding to come to because when you, the connotation that's immediately associated with like Allah's mercy and blessings, I feel like we think that it's something that's going to happen to us. Hmm. And so like when you recognize that the only way that you're going to like experience those things is if you look for them, like it changes, it shifts the whole dynamic entirely because now you're praying and you're looking for those answers. Now you're, now you have like, now you have to like, I don't know, it, it all goes back to, like I said before, about having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the forefront, because 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could answer all your prayers and could like, sh- like shower you with mercy and blessings, but you will not see them unless you look for them. And I think that for me was counterintuitive because I just kind of like expected this like divine experience to sort of just like be super obvious and yeah. be like in my face. And it was like, I was going to like be super, super happy and experience it. And it was just going to be like right there. And it, that's not necessarily how it works. And I think it's like, the more that you're thankful for, the more you will find things to be thankful for. Like the more you give thanks, the more things you will have to be thankful for. Yeah. Which is counterintuitive because the more you give thanks for, it's like, okay, we're going to run out of things to give thanks for. But that's like the complete opposite. Um, no, I think but that's anyways. even, even well, when you practice that, you end up finding also, um, you end up being grateful for even the smallest things, but they feel big. They feel, yeah, they do. Like, because you're like, wow, yesterday I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone's experienced at least once, I hope, inshallah, everyone gets to experience, you know, that moment where you just feel like you don't know how you're going to solve something and it happens in a way that you could have never conceived and you're just yeah. like, and you just look like, okay, okay, I know, I know you did that, you know, like, it's just, yeah, a lot, like, but I think that's the obvious one that people are looking for. Yeah. I think that's the easiest one to like grapple with. I think like when you are struggling and when you are going through a challenge and when you pray Salat al-Sikhara or you pray for Allah to help you find a solution yeah. and it works out in a way and you're like, oh my God, like this was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think like that's what people expect. Every like, time. I think that, yeah, I think that's yeah. how we see, oh, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. But it's very different to like wake up to in a day and like, be happy and like say something kind or like have the sun shining on your face or, or, or like not struggle. And then, and then like be so in awe of that because yesterday you struggled and you asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the next day easier for you. Yeah. You know? And maybe and it's so easy like, in a different way, but it's easy in a way that made you realize that, okay, I need to focus on, I don't always need to focus on what is, is in my way, but exactly. rather in what ways am I capable and able to do Things that are probably really mundane to our everyday lifestyle. Like sometimes I go to the gym early in the morning and I'm just like, I'm just so thankful for it for many reasons. One, because my parents are Yemeni parents and the fact that they, you know, understand and aren't like, because I wake up really, I'm a morning person. So I go to the gym at like 5 a.m. in the morning. Girl, absolutely not. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every day to make me a morning person. And I'm still waiting. But then again, maybe I should put in the effort to make myself a morning say, person. I was going to say, there's that part where you need to do it yourself. You, you need to tie your camel. That's what we like to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. how it's working. But I think that for me, like one, having the, the health, and the motivation to get up having like the vehicle mm-hmm. to take myself because it's not like I share a vehicle with my sister or with my dad like sometimes I sit there and I drive and I think of all the ways in which that this is possible for me where yeah. some people might just be like I don't know like it's it's natural to have a car it's natural like whoop do you do but it's like no like there's people out there that would love to go to the gym but they share a car and they have to take you know their siblings to school or do all these other things and it's like I have the independence to wake up my parents are still asleep. They don't question where I go. Like I go to the gym and I'm able to like get ready and go to work. And, you know, that's that's a blessing yeah. to me, even though some yeah. people might not look at it that way. But it's like, again, yeah. it's you choose to view it yeah. in that way because it is. And and one day, you know, you take something for granted and God might take it away. And that's when you realize that it was a blessing. But by mm-hmm. then, you know, unfortunately, it might be too late. Yeah. So, yeah. And I also think about all the ways in which the way that my day went could have changed. 
like by something that could have happened, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we kind of like assume that things are stagnant and things will stay constant until they change. And then that's when the prayer kicks in. Like, oh, Allah, please help me with this. Yeah. Oh, Allah, like, please fix this, cure this like ailment, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So every day that is like a good day is a blessing because it could have easily not been. And so I think that's the biggest thing when I say like today is the answer to yesterday's prayer. Like when you pray, like, yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make things easy on me. Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make my heart feel light and gentle. And yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like help guide me towards a straight path. And then I wake up today and alhamdulillah, I didn't give in to any temptations and alhamdulillah, like I made my salah on time and alhamdulillah, like I did everything that I thought I was going to do and I did them, right? Like a mundane stuff, like mm-hmm. I went to Meyer and this and this and this and this. I didn't get in a car accident. I didn't give in to that temptation. I didn't get a call, la samahallah, that something had happened. All yeah. of those things are possibilities. And so when you pray, you only see, like I guess that that's like the, the major point that I'm trying to make is when you pray for a solution and you see that solution, it's very easy to marvel at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. But when you just pray and your next day goes pretty like average, that is in and of itself like the answer. Agreed. Yeah. Because and so you I could think, have been yeah. stricken with something, a calamity yeah. or something, but you weren't. Yeah. 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 I feel like some people view it as either you're going to get stricken with something or you're going to like fall you know upon some wealth or like win the lottery and like that's like a good thing happening or a bad thing happening but they they mm-hmm. see the everyday things is just like nothing you know they're givens and i think that that's really important it's interesting it's the same feeling so when i've started to like have that mentality every good day makes me in awe and i and i think like the best way i would compare it in like the feeling is like, you know, and so if you remember this in like when your master's and your undergrad, like, you know, when you have those like two weeks of finals yeah. and like everything is so awful and then you like get out of it and every day that's a normal day suddenly feels amazing. Like yes. that next day when you no that's longer have exams, example, right? You no longer have exams and you're just like, wow, yeah. the sun is shining. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. I showered, you know, yeah. like, wow, like I'm eating a full meal. Like that's how, like, I wish that like, with, yeah with with prayer like I wish we felt like that every day and so like yeah. with prayer and with having that mentality I try and like feel that way every day because honestly like I tell people like there's no high like being done with finals like they're just it doesn't exist um so you you are I think you're, you're talking about like you're, you know finding your identity and kind of going through college but you still had like this connection with Sajad who started the page how did it get to the point where you got involved with the book so that's a funny story. So that's what I was saying before about like, I'm going to be brutally honest. So I remember, um, I got back and Sajad, I get an email from Sajad and it's just like Muslims of the world proposal. And he basically asked a couple of us in the community to sort of look over this proposal that he had for this book. He hadn't included some initial chapters and he was just like, can you tell me what you think? And like up until this point, I would never have considered myself a writer. I loved writing. I had like a lot of like in college, I had a lot of mentors that really like encouraged me and like, like made me feel really good about my writing, but that was like about it. And so I remember a lot of people had like given him feedback that was like, Oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. And I was like, Sajad, this is amazing. But like, we got to rewrite all of this. Hmm. And so then I remember telling him that he's like, okay, you're hired. You're the only person who told me this, like you're hired. Everyone else was just like, yeah, good job. Thumbs up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so for me and Sajad, it has always been that Sajad has had the vision and Sajad has had the like outlook and the foresight to really, really look at the big picture. Um, and I've kind of had the like shorter sight to be able to like in the now 
put down on a piece of paper and in words what it is that he was thinking and what it is that he was perceiving. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of our experience, a lot of the experience with writing the book that people don't see is just like the hours and hours and hours that we spent on the phone, just like talking, just like thinking out loud, bouncing ideas, the most ridiculous ideas back and forth off of each other and then hitting some sort of light bulb. And it's like 3 a.m. in the morning and Sajad calls me and he's like, oh my God, Iman, I like, I, I figured it out. Or Iman, I have this idea. And then we'll talk about it and I'll sort of deconstruct a lot of his more grandiose, you know, thoughts and ideas. And I'll be like, okay, well, this is at the core what you're talking about. And this is what we'd want to convey. And this is what we're trying to do. And so in a way it was like Sajad was the brain and I was like the pen. Mm. That's a good and way so, to put it. Yeah. Because I so, think a lot of people see both your names on the book, but maybe don't understand the different parts that you might have played in putting it together. Yes. Right. Yeah, I, I do. I think that like, alhamdulillah, like I'm very happy with how everything has played out. And I think we do a really good job of telling our story at the different events that we hold where we get to meet a lot of the people that have read the book or have followed the page. And a lot of people say it is a very different experience to meet us and sort of hear the story because what's portrayed on the account is not necessarily, you know, as like representative. But yeah, for us, because well, you guys I, aren't on the account, like your stories, yeah, yeah. aren't. you know, if you go to the Instagram page, you're not going to find your picture necessarily his yeah. picture and understand what's happening because again you guys are sharing other people's stories but it's always yeah. interesting to understand what kind of inspired yeah the book I like to say I like to say I really believe that it was a very selfish thing we did <laughs> because at the end of the day I think like both of us learned so much and benefited so much from the experience like emotionally and spiritually that like we couldn't have asked for anything more like we gained so much from like our, our intention was to just share stories. Our intention was just to provide a voice for people that needed it. And we thought we would just kind of be like the vessels through which we were, we would like, inshallah, be able to convey those stories. And yeah. in, in the end, like the experience of meeting all the individuals in the book and writing the stories and learning about our own faith and our own privilege and our own, you know, subhanahu ta'ala, like the, Subhanallah, like the 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 miracle that is like the lives that we lead, being able to share those stories and being able to write the book was such an amazing experience because both of us are such different people now than we were when we started. Hmm. And so like when I think about how much I've come, how far I've come and how much I've grown from this experience, I just like I'm in awe. And and how, how long what, what was the span of like kind of once you got involved to the point that it was like printed? So we started the book in August of 2017 and we collected stories and we wrote. Wow, so that was it within a year almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we finished. So in our defense, well, not in our defense, but I think that like um, we wish that the process would have taken a little bit longer because then we would have had a more, we would have had more time and time is obviously like an amazing commodity when you're working on a project like this right. to be able to have more time to reach different people. But when we decided on the idea and we reached out to the different publishing companies, Abrams out of, I believe like 80 publishing companies we reached out to, they were the only ones that responded. Yeah. And so like that in and of itself is subhanAllah is amazing. And we, when we came up with the idea with, and we like presented the idea to Abrams and they're like, okay, like we want to do this. They were also like, we want to publish this book October of 2018. So they gave you guys the deadline. Yeah. So we were instantly on that deadline. And Alhamdulillah, I think that like, again, that's such an incredible thing that we didn't have the foresight to see but I think it was really really good timing because when the book came out they were like the political climate that the United States is in that's going to be in at the midterm election is going uh, to be 
it's going to be a really, really great, like, environment to publish this book in. Well, they would know as a publishing, uh, you know, company, they they know that stuff, right? Yeah, they they know know that stuff. They know that stuff. But they could never have predicted like Ilhan Omar or Rashida Jones. Right, that's true. They did not know that. And so like, subhanAllah, even though they might have been thinking about sales and thinking about like, how best are we going to like promote this book at which environment is going to be best for us as a company. At the end of the day, like this deadline that we like worked towards ended up like being really, really great for like the Muslim Ummah as well. And I think, again, that's like an amazing blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we could have easily like published the book in October and things could have gone very differently for the Muslim community. And I think as a whole, this, this fall winter of 2018 has been a very empowering, inspiring time for Muslims in America. Like I really believe that. And yeah, so to the have bo- the book, book really complemented everything that was kind of happening exactly. socially and politically exactly. here. Exactly. So, yeah, definitely. And we never timing. have predicted that. No. And so like, at the end of the day, I'm glad that we were able to like have it done by then, even if during the year I was like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> like, I'm suffering right now. Like, this is so difficult to you do. Know, Allah is the best is the, is the best. Planner. The best planner. Yeah, really the best of planners. Um. But we finished it, we finished our first draft in January or February of 2018. Okay. And the final drafts over the summer. So really we were done the final draft of the book over the summer, which was probably like three months, three or four months before the official release in October. Okay. So it was very, very, very much like a fast process. And so like, I remember when we were writing it, we were super like, excited because we were like oh my god we're gonna be done and then we're gonna kind of have like a little bit of a break and then all of a sudden it's gonna get released and it's gonna be like this whole thing and we're gonna get thrown back in and it's gonna be super exciting experience and um it really was like that for me because in those couple of months where I was focusing more on like my studies I kind of like was like okay the book is done and Sajad kept working on Muslims of the World and I was like and alhamdulillah even even in the way that our support system works like by me being able to write help write the book and help collect the stories and then sort of take my own personal time and then have Sajad continue to work on the account and have other team members continue to work. I think that that's, that's also an incredible part of our team is how there's a lot of different members that work on a lot of different aspects and mm-hmm. we complement each other really well. And so while people might only see me and Sajad, there's like a lot of other people that are working behind the scenes. Oh, supporting I bet, yeah. And so like, it's a really, really great team. Alhamdulillah. And I, love I mean, it's how- a large platform. I'm sure there's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. With, the the platform on its own and then the book and then the the different launches because you have a lot of people who are like pretty much volunteering their time as well right like hosting these book launches which by the way they're coming to california in january if anyone's interested in going we'll both be there (laughs) i'm trying to convince noor to just like go on a san francisco tour with me we'll see what happens let's do it i mean i was talking to sajad the other day and he was like uh let's do like lunch the day of the um, thing, like me, you, him, and uh, I think Fatima's the other one. And I don't know who else, like, I don't know if it's any of the planners that are there. Um, but I still want to explore San Francisco with you. So yeah, let's see. Inshallah. Let's see. Inshallah. But I think like something I will say though, yes, we have a team, but at the end of the day, the person that makes all this possible is Sajad Shah. Yeah. And like, that's a really humbling thing for me to say because I have learned so much from him mm-hmm. and I have learned so much from him in terms of what it means to put in the time and the energy to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And so like Sajad is someone who's taught me that like 
to do an incredible thing and to see people do incredible things, what you don't see behind the scenes is like the lack of sleep and the waking up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. and the consistent hours that are put in. And but for also me, the other things that he does. He does a lot of, he does like, a, like 6 billion different things. No, I know. So I, I'm always just like, I don't know how he has the time to do all of this. I don't know how he does it either. Sometimes I like yell at him and I tell him, you know, drink some orange juice and like drink some water. You're dehydrated. Stop drinking coffee on an empty stomach. Eat something other than steak and mashed potatoes, please. <laughs> but I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, no, I think for me, in terms of my own, my own experiences with undergrad, realizing that, like, unfortunately, I had this idea that I worked really hard. And I had this idea that, like, college was very difficult. And that I was, you know, using my time and energy for something that was, like, you know, pretty difficult on the level of things that people accomplish. But watching Sajad, realizing how many how many hours in a day I wasted not doing something productive. And that kind of ties back to what I was saying before about wanting to like position my hours of every single day waking up to like serve someone else. Because when we really think about like, even as college students, when we think about the amount of hours we spend like hanging out with people and sleeping and watching Netflix and just like being on our phones and utilizing social media, like when I see Sajad, he sleeps for like, you know, five hours a night at most and then literally 19 hours spent working oh, this, this this guy also went to hedge this year can i just note that like yeah i'm yeah, definitely I'm afraid of going to hedge and excited to inshallah in the near future but i'm also like i would do it in a year where i know like i could mentally prepare for it and i was and i was just thinking like how do you do that when you're about to launch a book and you know what he does though every single trip that he goes on like he plans before where he just works even more. So instead of five hours a night, it's like two hours a night of sleep. And he's doing all the work that he knows that he will should have been doing when he's at Hajj or when he's on this trip, oh you know, in Syria. And so like for me, I was like, if you're an undergraduate student and you're working like 19 hours out of the day, you're not cramming during finals. Right. Like you, you, if you worked 19 hours a day, you would finish your entire semester's worth of material halfway through the semester. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's it's like if you count the number of hours that you need to fulfill like 18 credits a semester, like it, it's 18 hours a week to 20 hours a week. How many hours in a day do we have? And oh so, so many. So we, I just like I didn't realize like how much time I was wasting spending it on myself. And so when I see someone like Sajad accomplish things for others, it makes me really, really inspired. And again, that's how I say like I benefited so much from this book because I saw my faith in a completely different light through the people that we spoke with and the stories that they shared and the vulnerability mm -hmm. that they like gave us the honor of like putting out, like putting out to the world. But then also at the same time, learning from Sajad how, how really as like Muslims, it is our duty to like take this time we've been given on this earth and take the number of hours we have in a day where we are happy and we are healthy and we have been given like a mind and we have been given like two arms and a, two legs to like yeah. really do something. And so I can't stress that enough because really it makes me so sad. And I, and, and first and foremost, I'm upset with myself and I'm disappointed with myself. Why? Because 
because I think about like the four years that I spent and I think about like the things that I could have done with those hours in service to other people given my privilege and I look around and I like look on my social media feed and I look at these girls and these boys that like are in college with me and they're like a lot of them are Muslim and I like see do you see like, them doing like, more or you see them not I see enough? them not doing enough oh, okay and I think that like we have become desensitized so like like I was saying before, like we have this idea that college is so much, right? It's like, it's so much work. But like, as I said before, like if you put in like, you know, five, five to five to eight hours a day in college, like that's more than enough for what you would need to do. And I'm like a pre-med student. So I can like say for the most part, pre-med is one of like the hardest undergraduate yeah, pretty things intense. time-wise. It's pretty intense. And I know for a fact that I'm about to graduate and I probably have thousands of hours that I spent not doing pre-med stuff mm -hmm. so then to me like those thousands of hours how could I have spent them in service to someone else mm -hmm. how could I have spent them doing more and so like when I see Sajad Sajad has graduated and Sajad is like an entrepreneur and he's doing his own work and he's like ambitious and he's creating like things for himself and he's creating opportunities for himself but in those hours that he's not spent like running like his own business which in and of itself it's so much more work than being an undergraduate separate from that he still finds time he still finds time to like support causes he still finds time to run like to like raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for pure hands for like the Yemeni cause like mm -hmm. for the Yemeni like population like he still finds time to do things in service of other people and how can we as people who who don't run our own businesses and who are, you know, doing something like un like college, which is not necessarily as time intensive or we're working like, you know, nine to five jobs. There's so many more hours of the day where from like our computer, from our phone, from like from our neighborhood, we can like help others. I and I think that's like the biggest thing for me that I learned from him. Well, I was going back to the college thing. I think that there's this um, kind of romantic notion or like a romanticized idea of what a college student is which includes the extra college activities that might not be beneficial and that but people like you know kind of um accept and like welcome into their daily life and that includes like the idea of spending hours of binge watching on netflix like that's seen as like a really great thing and like granted i've done it but it's it's something that i feel like people it's like you're in college and then anything that's not, that doesn't have to do with college has to be something that is just to be quite honest is a waste of time the majority of exactly time. it's like we think that like the college hours that spend the work the hours that we spend in college are so draining and it's like so you deserve much to spend six hours watching work. yeah exactly exactly and when I and then when I like compare myself and I think it comes with like getting older and having more experiences and meeting people that are not in the same bubble as you that are actually like working for a living and that are actually like you know doing more than what we're doing and you see them spend those hours and then more it's like how how if anything and then like I'm just being very very like straightforward like a college is not the hardest years college is the easiest years college is your only job is to like turn in assignments and get certain grades that is your only job and it's your it's so your only time to really be super selfish about yourself exactly everyone's like you're in college like you exactly. need to study but then but then while you're in college you feel like it's the hardest time of your life hmm. You're like, this is so difficult, this and this and this. But really, in reality, college is some of the easiest years of your life in terms of, like, the number of hours that you need to spend, like, doing this thing, right? right? I mean, you're spending it less than 
um, you know, like you said, if you're spending the five hours that you need to do for whatever it is, I mean, outside of class it's or whatever, but hours in a day. Yeah. But see, I think the problem is, is that people don't understand or they don't try to think of the ways that they, cause I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend to someone who is not active in their community or doing something that they feel like is fulfilling, even if that's like, like a hobby or, or, you know, something that has some type of other benefit to them, um, you know, don't jump in and like, you know, volunteer for a part-time position at a nonprofit or whatever. Like, you know, maybe take baby steps because I, I get people ask me all the time, like, how do you balance, you know, when I was in school, but also like now working full time and, and you know, ha- having the, um, I want to say in Arabi, but like the nafs, you know, the yeah. the want to sit there and like continue on, you know, doing other things. And honestly, like in the past, I'd say couple months I've not been as involved within my community as I've recently been but I took that like conscious step because I needed to take some time to myself because you know when you start doing things for the community I think you did kind of touch on this a little bit but you start feeling disconnected and you feel like you're doing it because it's expected or because people are asking of it but then like your heart's not in it and mm-hmm. so like I was kind of reaching that point and it felt like oh well if I step back like are people gonna think that like I'm changing or becoming a different person you know and then I you know I just realized like none of that should have should matter and that's not something I need to take into consideration um you know but what I did is like you know I'm gonna plan this trip to Amra and I want to take my parents and I feel like that's going to feel more fulfilling and like to me than being involved within my community or fundraising or whatever it is but well I think that's why I don't say volunteer I don't use the word volunteer I don't use the word like donate Mm. I don't use the word extracurricular like I don't use the word like charity organization because all I say is in service of others that's it okay so like that you have been using that term the whole time we're talking yeah yeah and I think and that's and that's like that gets to the core of it is like why are we on this earth solely like trying to like make ourselves happy Hmm. and solely trying to please ourselves and solely trying to like do things for ourselves. And then that's what I see. And that's what I saw in myself in college is like, I'm getting my degree. That's for myself. So like, I'm out here complaining about finals and how difficult my life is and how stressful it is and blah, 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 blah. And really I'm just like at this university, which is a privilege in and of itself to be able to go to college. Some people would kill to be able to go to college and I'm doing it and I'm complaining and then telling myself that now after spending like these hours for my benefit, I'm going to, I deserve the more hours out of my day to just like do nothing. Yeah. And so when I say in service, I mean like spending time doing something for the benefit of someone else. And, and I, so like, can I add, sorry to cut you off, but sometimes yeah. the other yes family. yes and i know an adam, but but yeah. they say like you know the First people yeah the, the, you know priority goes to your family and i feel like sometimes people forget that sometimes that service can be to your parents because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. do spend a lot of time out of home and like your mom yeah. maybe is the one who's picking up and doing everything at home and so sometimes yeah. it could be as simple as um you know i started trying to be more active recently like if i wake up in the morning like i'm gonna help my mom if she's making like homemade bread or doing whatever and it's sometimes she doesn't want the help she just wants someone there like we end up talking and she ends up doing it all and she's like I want you to learn so when you get married if your husband likes it you can make it fresh for him or like if your friends come over and I'm sitting there thinking like probably not gonna happen but it's okay like yeah you know there was a quality time there was a person in my life that the community respected so much for his outreach and for like the way that he contributed to the community and like I was very close to his family he did not Oh my God, I have something similar. Give one ounce of time or energy. Or I know someone like that. 
he treated his family so poorly, but the community praised him for his work towards others. And I was like, you need to start with your family. And so like that in and of itself is like, you're spending hours of your day and you're spending it for your family. Fine. That's incredible. That's amazing. That's doing something that's not for yourself. My biggest fear for our generation of Muslim youth, like young Muslim adults, we are the children of immigrants. My biggest fear is that all we have to show for our privilege are diplomas. That the words that I hear coming out of like my peers' mouths are like, you know, I feel so pressured. I'm so privileged. Like, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get this degree because I'm so privileged. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm so lucky. And so I'm going to like get this degree from this great university and I'm going to go on to aspire to be like incredibly successful in my career because this is how I'm going to like show my thanks for my privilege. Mm. How can that be? Like, how can that be? How can it be to where all of us could be us, I'm just speaking from like my experience with my peers, but like we could be in like war-torn Syria, like war-torn Yemen, like mm-hmm. I could be like, you know, already like married and have no education back in Algeria. Like the, exactly. the options are endless of like what could have been and we are here. And so we believe that like the best that we can do and something that is like the way that we, the way that we complain about it is like, it's already so expect, like so much is expected of us that like, we're already doing so much by getting these degrees. Mm-hmm. Like these degrees are like w- the dreams, the dreams of people. And we're seeing it as like the struggle and the test that we have to do and the like pain that we have to suffer through no, to get this yeah. degree. And that's like how we're going to show our gratefulness. And that to me is like, what I think is like what I was trying to get at. And that's what makes me so scared and so sad in my own life, I've been trying to practice this and also like share it with others is that is that's what I mean by in service of others, because the moments where I felt the most content and the most happy and those moments when I felt like I walked out uh, into sunshine the day after my finals. Right. Those it was that moment I was like sitting at that table and I was like writing letters to incarcerated survivors, survivors of sexual assault Mm -hmm. in those moments where I like wrote a book and, you know, really didn't make that much money off of it. And like, it was very, very like a hard experience for me because it was like emotionally draining and like physically draining and took a lot out of my undergrad. But like to be able to do this and say that it like impacted the lives of young Muslim women and men and, and, and Muslims in general, like that's when I felt like, oh my God, today is an amazing day. I just walked out of like finals and I'm done. Like that feeling, like waking up today and like I you know, work at like, I like shadow at a clinic or I volunteer somewhere. And the next day I wake up and I have like my health and my happiness and, and, and a family. And I'm like, not in a war torn country and I'm not want for food and I'm not want for things. Like those are the moments personally, even when I have lived such a selfish life, those, those, those times that I, whether it was unintentionally or intentionally gave my hour or two hours or three hours to someone else for the benefit of someone else, that's when I really, really, really was the most content and the most happy and the most aware. And so I feel like all we can do is urge others to like operate in the same way and hope that inshallah, with the collective hours that we have in our days as a Muslim ummah, mm-hmm. kind of like the good we could do, Noor, the good we could do as a Muslim ummah with hours in our day, not spent, you know, in school and not spent at our job the ways we could give back, the ways that we could like lift others up, the ways that we could like fill our hearts with happiness. Like it's so beautiful how 
selfish it is in a way because for me it makes me feel so good and it helps me fight that like sorrow when like things don't go my way or when like something that I thought I really wanted I don't get and like I'm still like facing all of these different sadness and I'm still not perfect to where I don't have like emotional attachments to like earthly temporary things like I still have those things I'm human of course but like what fights them is and what makes me content and what makes me happy and what makes me feel like literally even if I don't get my degree even if I don't go to med school even if I like you know, die alone. <laughs> like what makes me worthy and what makes me inherently dignified is like the fact that I have spent what Allah's panel that has given me on this earth, like helping other people. And like, that's so selfish because really it's making me feel great more than anything. And so but like, that's like, but that's like the good kind of selfish. The good kind of selfish. And so like, I just, I just hope that like, inshallah, like as a community and, at, and like from our generation, we continue to spread that. And like, I, I, I hope, inshallah, as we continue to work, like as I continue to work with Muslims of the world, like I hope to learn more from Sajjad in the way that he has taught me about that and about how precious time is and how every hour can be used like in something beneficial. And like at the end, I just want to say like, that's not to say that like Netflix is not great. Like I think we have to take care of ourselves. And yes. like if we spend all of our time not on ourselves, like that's not a life either. And so the beautiful thing out of, any lesson that you can learn in life, if you just channel it through what the Rasul said about moderation and just yes. living your life in moderation. <laughs> exactly. And so like take everything with, with, with a grain of moderation and you'll be okay. No, I think perspective and moderation, like a balance is, is key. And um, I feel like... You read a book called Perspective and Moderation. <laughs> Actually, it was funny because I was just saying like, I have so much more to say on this and like this, this would end up being like a three hour long podcast. There's a lot of youth that are lost and like that's the honest truth and like I speak to a lot of girls and they just don't know what they're doing or like they're so consumed with like the superficial like online um, persona that they try to portray but then they feel so empty on the inside or they feel like so like so many girls tell me like they feel like they don't have much going on in their lives they still retain this persona online, you know, and they still they feel like they have to keep up with it. I mean, like I said, this could go on to a long conversation. Yeah, because I was going to say, alhamdulillah, like the one thing that I think like given my track in life, I should have like fought, had a, like a struggle with, but I didn't with social media. Yeah, like lucky. I never really, yeah, I'm very lucky. I never really got my worth from social media. I mean, obviously to a certain extent, we all have negative attachments with social media that mm -hmm. aren't healthy, but like to the degree to which I've seen a lot of young Muslim women really, really suffer, really suffer from like their whole, their whole image of self-worth, self-worth like their whole perception of themselves being rooted in social media. And so it's really interesting because like you said, like if you have nothing else going on in your life, right? So like all the people that I know that spend like, that are so busy, that are so fulfilled doing things like in the here and the now and in like the tangible real life, they have no time for social media. And like they might have social media, um, like thinking about like, this is going to be like a crazy example, but thinking about like Oprah, for example, or like mm -hmm. Michelle Obama, like, like they're idolized girls follow them. They're like, I wish I could be her. Michelle Obama does not give a damn about her Instagram. No, her I'm Instagram pretty sure that's someone else. Yeah. Someone else says it. And so like, but then these women that like, we, we like idolize, like we should learn from them so much like separately from their social media. So like, if you tell these girls like, Hey, if you, if you did things in your life, right, and you found meaning in your life and, like, filled your life with, with, with 
experiences and people and like acts of giving and service like you wouldn't have time and this is like a really big thing i think it's about time like it all goes back to time for me you wouldn't have time to think about social media like in moments where i'm super super busy with school or I'm super, super busy with like something that I'm working on. And that's why I think like hobbies are so brilliant and like so important and like doing things you love are so important because when you're doing these things, like you're not even thinking about social media, but if you're, but if you're like going to school, right. And you've got like, you know, four hours a day you're studying or whatever. And literally the rest of your time is spent on Netflix and on your phone. Like, of course, of course you're going to start to get drawn into social media. So I don't think that there, I think that like you can tell girls whatever you want. You can tell people whatever you want about how like it's wrong and like you shouldn't like, like be so invested and you shouldn't like care so much about what people think and you shouldn't feel like social media is the end all be all. Like people know these things. Like I feel like as a society, we've proliferated that enough. Like everyone knows that like social media is not good for self-worth. Everyone knows that we spend too much time on it. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone knows that, but it's not changing the reality of how girls feel. Like a girl can tell you, she's like, yeah, I know, like, obviously social media is fake and, and, and and it's just how people perceive themselves. But like, I still feel like this, like, how do I change it? Right. So we've proliferated this narrative. Everyone's aware of it. So how do we change it? I think it's, it goes back to perspective though, because I think a lot of girls think that the reason that they're on social media and the way, then the reason that they have that unhealthy relationship is because they feel like it fills this empty space or time that they have. So they have to replace it with something else. Exactly. So, but they feel like I don't have something, so I'm doing this. It's like, you don't think of it like you don't have something. Find something and you'll see how that will, that will automatically change. But it's like an immediate, like, oh, well, I tell girls all the time, like, find, like, literally try. I am someone who will go into Michael's and like see a knitting kit and I'm like, I am going to try it. Like I I studied art in my undergrad. I love Michael's too. I can get lost in there and so like I do you know I I I studied art um but like not in the way that I think people think where it's like the technical stuff but I I do like I like to try so many things and some things I'm good on some things I'm not but like I could spend hours like painting or drawing or doing something and at the end of the day I'll post it on social media but it's not my worth and I don't commission anything like I I won't take I won't do photography I won't do one because I don't think I'm at that point where I could, but also I I feel like it takes away from that, that, that it's supposed to be a hobby and it's supposed to be for me and it's supposed to be therapeutic mm-hmm. and stuff. Cause once I start doing it for people and I'm expecting people to like want to buy it or have a response to it, then it's like, again, yeah. there's that pressure. And so yeah. I always say like, do something that you're passionate about, but don't let it consume you or don't let the idea of other people like validating it Mm-hmm. be the priority or be like the inspiration towards why you want to do that thing but I think everything that we talked about inshallah is something that not only we benefited from each other but whoever is listening can benefit to it somehow inshallah. um yeah. the book well the platform that the social media page is muslims of the world um on instagram I think it's muslims of the world one or is it yeah yes that's a t- subject for sajad I imagine someone, someone had that and someone took the other one and he was just like when someone asked him what the handle is and they're like why is it a one he's like don't talk to me about it oh no he's like I don't want to hear it's muscles the world one don't ask me okay why. Good. but yeah and then the book is out and mashallah it's doing amazing and you can order I think on found. Amazon right yeah um yes so it's a great yeah it's a great book it's- yeah it's it's, it's such a good book. coffee table book too because um there's like amazing photography and then the stories are just really touching and i like that there's so many different topics that you guys touch base on so there's something yeah. for everyone 
and it's a for really me, good was... gift like it's the holiday season if you have like that one coworker who always yeah. asks like weird questions or like is just interested like this would be a really good gift to mm-hmm. give them because i think mm-hmm. it'd be very powerful um, for me really important for the book to be beautiful because I think that like traditionally things that we put out about Muslims or like Muslim books like I don't think that we usually say Muslim and beautiful in the same sentence and so like in a way I was people were kind of like oh it's like really aesthetic but that's not really the point right like of course it's the content but for me I really wanted it to be a beautiful coffee table book because I wanted people to see something beautiful that reflected the beauty in the stories yeah. And so, like, that's why I was really happy with how it turned but, out. But I think it kind of also, like, it complemented where the platform started, which mm-hmm. is online and through photos. And then yeah. because we are at a, where we, we like we like to have, like, a visual to go with the story now, yeah. you know? So I feel like um, it complements it very well. And, it's it, yeah. you know, the, the thought, like I said, the photography is really beautiful. The book is really beautiful. Um, photography was by Ella Hamdan. She's amazing. She's an incredible photographer. Um, when I started taking some photos for myself for the book and like comparing them to hers, I had like a new appreciation for (laughs) the work that she did. So yeah, a lot of beautiful. No, it's beautiful and like very consistent and just like really great shots. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for just taking the time. Um, again, I really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoy Me too. So we've had, we've had a few before this. Yeah, yeah, we have. We and they've have. always been kind of lengthy. So, um, and also just I wanted to add that there are, if you follow the page, there's different tours, I think, that are going on right now, like all over the world, right? I mean, you guys mm-hmm. have done most of them, but I know that there's still more coming up. Yeah, inshallah, we'll be having one on January 6th in London inshallah and then we have one on January 27th in Oakland and then to follow that we will be headed to Arkansas um Tennessee um University of Kentucky so we'll be hitting a couple of different places so if you just stay updated on the Muslims of the World page maybe we'll come to see you inshallah yeah and if you want to see them can they like coordinate with you guys to kind of host an event yeah, so that's so so the the events that are set up, they will always have like the event bright link and the information on the Muslims of the World page. But we are really, really excited because a large part of what we want to do moving past the book, inshallah, is to take, you know, our engagement and move it from like behind the phone screen to like the stage and to really, really inspire one another with like our own stories and everyone else's stories. And so like if you're a university or if you're an MSA or if you're a masjid or if you're you know, even if you're like a non-religious based, you know, organization, yeah, you think like you would love to like bring this book to your friends and family and your community and your school. If you would love that, just like DM us on Instagram or send us an email. Probably yeah. DM most is like the most effective. But yeah, we would love to go anywhere and everywhere. We would love to meet. Yes. And, and you can also send me a message and I can forward it their way as well. Yeah. Um, so that way that that could be worked out. I'm just excited that California is finally on the map because me too. I'm excited that I'll get to love cross paths for a reason. Subhanallah, I I really do believe it. But um, yeah, thank you so much. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we? No, alhamdulillah. (laughs) Like this was an amazing conversation. I think every opportunity like this is um where inshallah, even if I didn't make a lot of sense, the opportunity to share my reflections is always like a learning experience for me as well. So I think like um, having conversations, even if they feel repetitive, even if I might be, you know, wrong, um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me for any of the ways that I've like lacked in my intentions. Um, But just this podcast in and of itself, like being able to listen to it, inshallah, and then maybe, you know, two years 
from now, Iman is going to listen to it and learn a little bit from herself or from you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. Alhamdulillah. Oh, alhamdulillah. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and follow this Muslim Girl podcast on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, check out the blog thismuslimgirl.com for all content information from this and all previous episodes. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Still paying hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever.